The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. I would definitely say that younger people are more open to and more comfortable with various forms of non-monogamy. Definitely, I would say that non-monogamy in general is on the rise, in part because um, monogamy has to be negotiated now in a way that it just used to be the default. And now a lot of people are having the relationship talk, you know, oh, we've been going out for a while. What are we up to? Or what is this relationship? Negotiating monogamy means sometimes you choose something else. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, I I do want to talk about this because, again, it's something that I had um, said to keep an eye out for, right? Uh, Seven years ago when the Supreme Court wrongly and very poorly decided that marriage could be redefined. Uh, they said, look, marriage can be anything you want it to be, right? So if that's the case, where does it end, right? I want to talk about that coming up in just a moment. But I, before we get into this issue, because look, this is something you're seeing. Attitudes are changing and we're going to see more polygamy and you're going to see more polyamory and you're going to see some other really bizarre relationships too. Well, why not, Right. Uh, stay with me. I'll, I'll pack that for you, and I think it's well worth listening to. But before I do that, Maggie and I were talking during the break, and we just love um, Professor Roy Showman. Uh, great, great guy. And I said to Maggie during the break, boy, I wish I could have spent more time talking about Hitler's obsession with the occult and some of the things that uh, were reported around him by so many who were close to him. And also just to talk about the goodness and the fruit that came from even some of these dark places like the concentration camps of Auschwitz and others. I wrote about it in my book on divine mercy about the power and the protection. You heard the caller call in about her, how her, I think it were her grandparents, one of her grandparents survived the concentration camps with the words, Jesus, I trust you. I, the, you know, there's a great story of a man who escaped having the small image of divine mercy. Of course, you have the commandant of Auschwitz who, you know, as he was ready to go to death, had this profound conversion. You see how mercy can prevail, how it can transform. And as Professor Showman was pointing out, even, you know, in these horrible places, and I said, I've been through Auschwitz a number of times. I, I think if you ever have an opportunity to see it, you should. It's eye-opening. It's, it's, it's humbling. It's... it's um, it's it's something I think everybody should see. Um, why not not just man's inhumanity to man, but really God's grace. Colby died in a concert, in a starvation bunker. Everybody around him died, and all those who would guard those starvation bunkers often said that they would hear horrible moans and curses and all sorts of things coming out to the guards outside. Not in Colby's bunker. Um, you know, he and those other nine prisoners sang hymns. He was the last one to die. They actually had to inject him with carbolic acid. Uh, in in order to put him to death. But as you heard Professor Showman say, Kobe's presence in that horrific, the most infamous of all the concentration camps brought about a transformation. It rippled out amongst everybody that was there. And of course, you have Edith Stein, you have Alfred Depp. I mean, I can go through a whole list of people who face this darkness and evil, and yet how love and how God's grace and how his mercy can transform. And I, I just love that. And, and Maggie, you and I were talking, the professor is sharing with you that people don't know how to spell his name. And I would recommend that people read his book. He's got several of those, but maybe you can plug everybody in. Yeah, he was saying that no one ever knows how to spell his name uh, when they look him up online. So um, for anyone listening that's interested, his name is Professor Roy Showman. That's S-C-H-O-E-M-A-N. 
S-C-H-O-E-M-A-N. And does and his website is just RoyShoman.com? I forget what it was. I mean, no, hold on. No, salvation is from the Jews. Salvation is from the Jews. Yeah. Yep. I, I wanted to say that. That's a good idea because knowing it spells name, salvation is from the Jews. I, you know, and I'll plug his books. He's not with us right now. Salvation is from the Jews: The Role of Judaism in Salvation History is one book. The other one is Honey from the Rock: Sixteen Jews Find the Sweetness of Christ and the Great Conversion Stories and. You'll find other great stuff at his website, so check him out, okay? Hey, I do want to talk about this other issue because I do think, I don't think, I really believe we live in very troubled times, times where Satan's becoming more aggressive than ever. And I often refer to what the uh, Sister Lucia said in that interview with Cardinal Cafara about how the final confrontation will be over what? Over family, right? Family and marriage. And we saw that manifest in a unbelievable way. As I said, about seven years ago when the Supreme Court erred in the Obergefell decision, um, you know, they redefined marriage, which you can't do. Marriage has always been between one man and one woman across the centuries, across the millennia. Uh, and and we're seeing the bad fruit of it. We really are seeing the bad fruit. That, you know, many people say there's no stopping where this will lead. Um, after redefining marriage, if two men or women can be married, then what's to stop one man from being married to 10 women, five women, three women, or vice versa, right? What about a man who wants to marry a boy? You know, you have the man-boy love association, Mambla. I know it's disgusting. I, it's, 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 I hate to even have those words come out of my mouth. But where do we draw the line? Where's the limit? The opposition, of course, says, oh, come on. That's ridiculous. That's too much. No one's going to allow for... More than two people to get married, right? This, these situations you bring, they'll never happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's essentially what they said when we started hearing the drumbeats for so-called same-sex marriage. At first, it was, look, all we want is civil recognition. That's it, just civil recognition of, of these relationships. So, you know, we can go to the hospital and visit those, those kinds of things. And I understand that. Yeah, I think somebody should be able to be with somebody they love in the hospital or whatever. But the demand... Started, and, and here's here's what you see. You see the power of language. They started calling it marriage, right? Just like reproductive justice and all these other terms they use to sanitize abortion, right? So marriage, they took the word over. They redefined it just like so many other words that pro-choice has been co-opted. Even the word gay. You know, gay means something totally different than it meant 30, 50 years ago. You know, it used to mean happy, right? I mean, you take a look at how language has changed and how powerful it is. So unless you said that these people were married, right, there would not be this equality. And so far, there haven't been any cases coming to the Supreme Court on polygamy. I want to be clear about that, but I'm sure it will happen. You know, again, I'm just trying to look down the road and about the, around the bend and give you a look at what's what's coming for your future and your children's future. In, in the meantime, our culture is starting to, to push, if not for polygamy, but for polyamory. Early in January, the BBC published a story on something that it called ethical non-monogamy. And the picture that appeared above the story was three men with three dogs and the guy in the middle was holding a newborn baby. And uh, the subhead for the story was multi-partner relationships are on the rise and finding their way into the mainstream. Could this new exposure change the way we look at sex and families? Doesn't that sound nice? Probably a beautiful voiceover. Now, not to be outdone, Psychology Today, right? They have an advice column for people who want to do this entitled New Polyamory. 
think about agreements, not rules. Rules can cause more problems than they solve. And I want to thank uh, a listener who, uh, and I'll, I'll send a shout out to him right now. Uh, Chris in Austin, Texas. Thanks for putting this on my radar. Chris sent me a, an email and he just said one sentence. He says, Drew, you forecasted this very thing, exclamation point. And he sent me a link to this story in psychology today. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it today. Um, here's what this, this says. A licensed marriage and family counselor tells us rather than airtight rules that cover every situation, Develop techniques for self-soothing, communicating effectively, and co-regulating. I don't know what that means, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't. I mean, really, well, what's what's co-regulating? I'm invited today to help me better understand this and also to kind of clear the fog here on, on where we are, where we're heading, and to give us a proper understanding of what, really what marriage and relationships are all about, how God intended it, by the executive director of the International Organization for the Family, which you can find at ifamnews.com. Joe Grabrowski joins me today. Joe, good afternoon. It's good to have you with me. Good afternoon, Drew. Thanks for having me on. So, you know, we got the BBC. We have psychology today. They're pushing for polyamory. Uh, you know, is this the next new frontier? And, and where else, in addition to reputable sources like BBC or psychology today, are we seeing this type of thing? Uh, well, we're seeing it in a lot of different places. We're seeing it in increased, uh, you know, interest within advocacy groups to try to normalize this, come up with new language for it. Uh, we have seen certain small, mostly on the local level, legislative pushes. Uh, there's uh, famously a town in uh, the state of Massachusetts that has now officially recognized uh, multi-partner relationships on, under law. Um, they're kind of getting around uh, state laws that outlaw bigamy. Um, by going about it in, in certain ways, not legal uh, marriage per se. Mm -hmm. But we are going to see this uh, effort continue as we move forward, and it's something I'm, I'm glad you're calling your listeners' attention to. Yeah, I think it's important. Uh, it's a very slippery slope. If you don't you know, shine a light on it, 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 the line continues to move, and it becomes more commonplace, more normalized. And you know, if you take a look at the polling at, at those who oppose the redefinition of marriage you know, prior to the Obergefell decision, Attitudes today have radically changed on that. And I think we'll see the same thing when it comes to, you know, polygamy or even polyamory. But let's define terms. Let's talk about that. For those who don't know those terms, uh, polygamy and polyamory. Maybe you can explain the difference between the two of those. Sure. Uh, so polygamy, uh, with that word in there, just like monogamy, is a term that relates to marriage. P polygamy simply means multi-partner marriages. Um, there's more specific versions of that, like uh, polyandry or polygyny, um, which respectively refer to, you know, a, a marriage with multiple husbands versus a marriage with multiple wives. That second kind, historically, um, and, and for various reasons that maybe we could talk about, has been the most common form. Um, but then polyamory refers to removing marriage from it altogether. This is when people are simultaneously in multiple intimate, presumably sexual relationships with, with more than one partner. Um, and typically that's considered, uh, you know, we, we hear terms like open relationship. Yeah. Um, this is where the BBC was trying to draw a distinction. They recognize that there's probably more people who are unethically in their analysis, leading polyamorous lifestyles, i.e. having multiple partners, but not letting any of them know about it. Yeah. Uh, this is sort of trying to let the cat out of the bag so that, uh, presumably the partners will be okay with this sort of situation. 
Joe, what's happened to marriage today? You know, I sit back here and, you know, I, I look at millennials. And see, I, I look at this next generation. Nobody's getting married. If they do, it's really late. I can't tell you how many people I know they're living together. They're just, you know, just they're deciding not to, to tie the knot. And I think that is on the rise. You know, where are we in terms of the state of marriage and the breakdown of it? Maybe we're seeing it because of the divorce rate in the country. Maybe people don't want to go through what others have gone through. Maybe it's the loss of God and morality. I, you know, I'd love your take on it. But when you see the breakdown of marriage in general, to me, it only opens the door even wider for polyamory, you know, especially polyamory, but even more so than polygamy. But, but I'd love to get your take on, on where we're going and if whether or not things are accelerating and how you're reading uh, these movements. Indeed. Well, you know, I think part of what these movements like to do is simply give new names to things and try to make them more acceptable and remove all uh, types of stigma and shame from them. But the one thing that they can't remove is the natural desires of the human person to be uniquely loved and uniquely appreciated. Even the advice column in Psychology Today is, is basically aimed at that, trying to avoid what they recognize are the pitfalls of polyamory, because uh, the tendency will be um, that... Uh, your nature will rebel against this idea that you can make this full commitment and the gift of, of yourself and intimacy to another, and that they, then they'll take their, their own gift and go and give it to someone else. So I, I'm more hopeful than maybe some for the future because eventually nature kind of rebels against these radical ideologies. And the other reason I'm hopeful is that um, one of the reasons marriage is in crisis is because of the decoupling from marriage uh, uh, of procreation. Yeah. And frankly, those that are procreating, those that are procreating more are going to be those that inherit the earth. Uh, we're going to be the ones around in the future to be able to build uh, a society once the one that we're living in, uh, in so many of its conventions kinds of fades away. And so I'm hopeful. I think that uh, as, as new people, uh, young people especially, they kind of are appreciating the lie uh, that you can just have it all your own way. And maybe we'll begin to realize that, you know, things like motherhood and fatherhood are a gift uh, to be appreciated. And all of those things tend toward uh, the way that marriage uh, was historically understood in the way that we believe God designed it. I think you bring up a really good point. I felt the same way uh, in terms of what you just said a few moments ago, that if you let this, these movements, these decisions, these philosophies, these, you know, these... Um, these, I guess, movements the word I'm looking for, run their course. Um, you know, evil feeds on itself. Um, you know, uh, bad fruit uh, bears bad fruit. And we see the bad fruit of contraception and where that has led. It has led to abortion. And we see the fallout from abortion right now. You can take a look at the one-child policy. You know, the bad fruit of that now is that the China is, is paying, you know, and Russia and all these other countries are paying and incentivizing their citizens to have children, right? Or they're now using in vitro to try to have these types of kids. But the same thing with the redefinition of marriage. I've said it'll lead to polyamory, it'll lead to polygamy. But in the end, the society will see that these things do not work, that the fruit of it is bad. And I think we'll eventually get it right. Just as slavery ended. You know, uh, abortion will end in this country, and I think we'll eventually get marriage right. The question is, how far down the road is that? How much suffering, how much bad fruit do we have to bear? A lot of people out there have this argument that love is love. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, how do you outlaw two people of whatever sex, you know, marrying more than, you know, 
you know, two people getting married. I mean, what's the right response to people say, hey, love is love. I don't need marriage. And we just want to be together. I mean, uh, where, where does this end? And, and, and I'd love your, your, your thoughts on that because a lot of people say, I don't need the institution. Love is love and we're going to be fine. Sure. I, I would say that the institution, again, just responds to what, what really are the desires of, of the human heart in, in its deepest truth. And when people kind of wake up and recognize that, uh, hopefully they'll return to the traditional understanding of marriage because it's meant to save the heartache and save the pain and the disappointment that um, really is what ends up happening when you follow these other paths. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, uh, you know, po- polygamy or, uh, right. you know, uh, polyamory are concerned, another thing that is more hopeful to point out to people when they say love is love and why should we right. stop two people? Well, first of all, we're not talking about two people here. And second of all, I think we'll see unlikely allies in this, uh, including huh. certain um, new feminists that will say, hey, this has always been disadvantageous to women. Women are always the ones um, because of reproduction time and the burden of reproduction mm-hmm. that women bear. You know, for nine months, guys can walk away. Women can't. I think that we'll see unlikely allies pushing against this if legal proposals to recognize it ever come up. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was thinking about that. You know, I was in Africa a couple of years ago and I was with a Muslim family uh, a guy. He had like eight wives, right? And I wonder, how does that work, right? But it's not uncommon. It's not like this is some new innovation. Polygamy was commonplace in the ancient world, right? And it still is in many places today throughout the world. Um, you know, it was Christianity that ultimately stopped it in the West. So maybe lay out the difference. I mean, what problems does does monogamy solve that polygamy creates? Why is monogamy a better choice? Uh, well, one of the things that it definitely solves is the problem of the abandonment of children. Um, if there's no social expectation that men are going to commit themselves uh, to the rearing of children and, uh, you know, to raising families, uh, that leads to... Uh, problems that we pay the price for down the line. Um, And then if someone were to argue, well, a man could simply have a family with many wives, once again, um, that's that's the classical definition of the very worst kind of what feminists have for decades complained about as, quote-unquote, the patriarchy, right? Those kinds of models of a man with his harem and all his concubines and 50 children and not paying any of them particular devotion or attention is precisely what uh, we thought we had left behind in sort of a dark uh, age of the past. So um, I think monogamy solves a lot of issues having to do with pair bonding and and the bonding, especially of men to children. You know, once again, when reproduction happens, women are sort of, uh, as it were, you know, saddled with that burden for nine months of pregnancy and then also the immediate rearing of the child with with feeding and such, especially in um, more primitive communities. Uh, so it's, it was long recognized that we need a social institution that's going to bind men to those women and, right. and to the, the fruit of the offspring. And that's what marriage is. And that's why it's a good idea, not just religiously, not just philosophically, but just as a matter of forming a just society. So, so final thoughts here. I mean, what can we do? I mean, how do we stop the rising tide of polyamory, polygamy, people cohabitating today when it seems like you know, marriage has looked like it's old-fashioned and just out of step today. I think we need to uh, do several things. One is to try to promote the stories when they do come up of of people who have suffered through sort of the the negative sides of this. And again, you're mostly going to find that in cases of 
polygyny, which is a man taking several wives. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can find both historical sources and contemporary ones um, of, of people who escape these kinds of relationships and reveal that they're little more than kind of abusive uh, relationships or maybe even slavery. But the other thing we, we can do, as is so often the answer to so many of these questions, I'm sure, is simply to worry about our own household and our own family first and make sure that we're raising our children with the values that they recognize that what the world is selling them is a lie, uh, that actually what's most fulfilling is to fully dedicate yourself to another person. Yes, that entails cutting off a lot of choices and not having, sure. um, you know, not having the freedom to do whatever you will, but it, it ennobles you and allows you to do the great thing that is, that is marriage. Yeah, well, I want to thank you for what you do as well. You guys are doing a wonderful work. If people want to follow or get connected, what's the, what's the best way to do that? Uh, well, we, we run an uh, international family news site in, uh, that's currently published in eight languages, uh, which is ifamnews.com or International Family News ifamnews.com, and that's where you can follow uh, all the latest up-to-date information. Well, keep up your good work, Joe. I appreciate making time for us today and bringing some sanity and clarity to what are very confusing issues and and times. So hopefully we can catch up again soon. Thanks for being here. All right. Thank you, Drew. Thanks. Thanks. That's Joe Grabowski. And uh, check him out at that website. Uh, When we come back, I want to address one other issue. Um, If you're a parent, you have children. If you have gay children, Um, You may want to listen. I know the Pope has recently made a statement on parents and how they should respond and actually treat uh, their their children, you know, um, those who who are gay and in some other situations. So we'll get you plugged into that. We'll talk about what the church teaches and so much more. Love to hear from you. You can dial in anytime. 888-914-9149. We come back to, I want to get you plugged into something that Relevant's making available to you. You might not have heard about this, but I think it'll be a blessing. So stay with me. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. A little thin loosey there for you. The boys are back in town, and I am back. I miss being with you. I was away for you know, a little while, but um, it's good to be back behind the microphone to take the temperature, what's happening in the culture, put my fingers on the pulse of what's happening, and hopefully give you a perspective on those most important issues and uh, you are welcome to join me anytime you know the number here right it's 888-914-9149 I want to get you plugged into something before I go and we talk about anything else we are going to talk about what the Holy Fathers had to say regarding parents and gay children and if you have somebody you know or love you might want to have them tune into that we'll we'll break all that down uh, for you but before we do I, I just you know like I said I had been away for for couple, well, for several days, more than several days, and lots developed. And I, I want to bring you up to speed on what's happening here at Relevant. I really think the solution to the problems that face the world right now uh, is God. And I know you agree with that, but I think the Lord, in a special way, um, has given us a messenger. Throughout the Old Testament, he's always sent prophets, right, who would herald and deliver messages. Well, 
when the angel Gabriel appeared to the Virgin Mary, uh, and Mary had free will, right? She was given this choice to be the mother of God. And she said, be it done unto me according to your, to your will, right? To God's, God's plan. She did. She submitted herself totally. And of course, we have Jesus Christ. She participated in that whole redemptive process there. And she stood at the cross when Christ conquered death. And when Christ was hanging on that cross, blood was draining from his body when he was in sheer agony, throbbing from the abuse that he has taken and the torture that he was put through. He publicly proclaimed her our mother, right? She has become our spiritual mother. And across the centuries, she has been interceding. She's been appearing in every habitable continent. And she plays such a critical role, I believe, in the future of the country and the world. She is the patroness of America. In fact, she appeared in the geocenters of the Americas, north and south, and one of the most famous apparitions of all in Guadalupe, Guadalupe, Mexico. So Relevant Radio thought, hey, you know, this year we want to do something special. We want to get you plugged in to some of the great miracles, some of the great mysteries to help you better understand the role of the mother of God. And I, I'm going to give you a simple website. I'll talk to you more about it a little bit later, maybe in the days ahead. But I want to encourage you just to sign up for this email series, right? You're going to gain exclusive access to content on Our Lady. And you may not know a whole lot about her. You may not know Marian history. You may not know her role or dogmas. There's going to be so much that you're going to be exposed to. And a simple way to do it, relevantradio.com forward slash Mary. All right, relevantradio.com forward slash Mary. And uh, sign up, all right? And we'll get you plugged in. I'll fill you in more in the days ahead. But what a great way to grow in your love of Our Lady and ultimately in love of her son. So I just want to put that on your radar. Hey, I want to talk to you about the Holy Father. Um, listen to what he said. All right. And, and Father, uh, oh, Father Colin Blatchford is going to be stopping by in, in a moment. I want to get his take on this as well. But here's what you know the, the Holy Father said. He said, quote, I'm thinking at this moment of so many people who are crushed by the weight of life. They can no longer hope or pray. May St. Joseph help them open themselves to dialogue with God in order to find light, strength, and peace. Now, those were the words that were, were prepared, you know, uh, those were prepared words of the Holy Father uh, at the general audience yesterday, but he went off script. And this is what I found most striking. He added this. He says, and I'm thinking to a parents in the face of their children's problems. Children with many illnesses, children who are sick, even with permanent maladies. How much pain is there? Parents who see different sexual orientations in their children. How to deal with this and accompany their children and not hide in an attitude of condemnation. That, of course, as you could imagine, right? Got a lot of tongues or keyboards clicking and the media was wagging and let me just share with you what CBS says, ready? This, this comes from you know, CBS News. Pope Francis says parents should support gay children, not condemn them. MSNBC.com's headline reads, Pope urges parents to support gay children. The UK's independent said, Pope Francis tells parents support children if they are gay. What was the Holy Father's intention? Is that really what he said? I, I, I don't have a problem with, you know, parents, um, like the church is very clear in its teaching when it comes to 
to homosexuality and when it comes to these types of issues. And of course, I'm sure you know someone or have someone in your family who is gay. Clearly, you love them completely and totally. Their sexual orientation doesn't mean you love them less. Did the Holy Father tell parents to support children in that lifestyle or did he tell parents to support them, you know, not to condemn them? How do we separate the act you know, from, um, you know, from, from, from the child, I guess that's, you know, that's what we should talk about right now. That's, you know, we'll talk about what he actually did said father, uh, Colin Blatchford, he's a priest of the diocese of Knoxville. And, um, uh, you know, he, he previously served for courage and to end courage. And if you are a parent, um, and you have children or loved ones who are, uh, same sex attracted, uh, check out encourage. It'll really help you. Maybe your child just came out and says, Hey mom, dad, I'm, I'm, I'm gay. Uh, check out it's E N courage okay and courage e-n-c-o-u-r-a-g-e dot com and i think the website for courage and if you are same-sex attracted and you say i want to live my catholic faith to the fullest i want to you know i want to be the person god created me to be in light of of my orientation uh check out courage rc.com rc if i would just remember it as roman catholic courage rc dot no i'm sorry dot org courage rc.org and look that's open to anybody if, if you are same-sex attracted check it out all right he uh he joins uh father joins me today he began serving as the associate director of, of the courage apostolate in 2020 and they do such wonderful work father i appreciate your time and especially your ministry i'm grateful for you thanks for being here today well thanks for having me on drew um and i would just note that uh we have Encourage resources on the CourageRC.org website as well. Uh, so it's kind of a one-stop shop. And let me also bring a point of clarification, something I said. Um, I know the website is, you know, CourageRC.org, but really anybody who's same-sex attracted can come. I know, I know you're ca- we're Catholics, so this is not just for Catholics alone. I don't want people to misunderstand that, right? Or is it? Uh, that's true. I mean, we work according to what the Church teaches. Uh, we pray. Uh, at our meetings in the support groups. Uh, so what Courage does is we run support groups all over the world uh, for individuals, but also for family members. Um, and it begins with a prayer, and then we have uh, a set of rules uh, dedicating ourselves to prayer, formation, charity to others, unity with our brothers and sisters and trying to understand experience uh, and being witnesses. Uh, so it's we've got members who aren't Catholic, but we do yeah. Catholic things, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I love it. Um, let's talk about the Holy Father, what he said. The headlines all read that the Pope told parents you had to support your, your gay children, never condemn them. The implication for a lot of people is that parents are supposed to actually maybe accept or help their child along in that, that particular lifestyle. What was the Holy Father really trying to say? How do we understand those comments that, of course, the media blasts globally? Well, I think it goes back to the prepared statement. Um, about the, the real crushing suffering. Um, I've been working with Encourage now for about three and a half, four years, uh, still kind of new to it. Uh, the amount of pain um, that the individuals uh, and family members are going through trying to just understand what it means to be loved, that they're worthy of love, uh, the questions they have as a young person, uh, trying to figure it out in this world with so many competing ideas pulling us one way and another, that, um, you know, we, we have to be willing to receive an individual who's before us. We have to receive them because of their dignity, image and likeness of God. We also have to be able to accept 
uh, receive, I should say, receive their experience, their, their, their lived experience and feelings about that in the world. Now, we also bring in that charity of receiving the truth and fullness of what God has created us for and who we are as human beings, as a body-soul composite. Um, but the amount of pain in that, believing that you're not worthy to be loved unless, or I can only be sufficient if I, you know, none of us, oh man, that none of us should ever have to feel that. But I think that's what he's referring to. Yeah, and right. encourage, that's the goal of, of what we seek to do is to bring, you know, people into this encounter with God first and foremost in holiness um, to live out that truth and charity with their loved ones in a pastoral way. You know, it's a great organization. I know it's helped a lot of people. I hope people will, will, will check it out. Um, in terms of terms, um, what's the difference between the word support and accompany? You know, I, I know the Holy Father used those words. Uh, how, how do you break them down? Well, um, uh, my understanding of it and the way that I'm, I'm using it would be in the sense of uh, John Paul's solidarity. Right. Um, the word compassion, suffering with, uh, doesn't just mean telling somebody something, saying, oh, it's tough, and then moving on, but rather to actually enter into the crisis that they're in, the angst, and be with them in that. Uh, so when a parent comes and says, I don't know what to do, did I do something? Uh, is it, you know, uh, all these questions that come up. Mm -hmm. uh, to be with them in that suffering and to walk through the church's loving teaching, her ageless teaching, her timeless teaching, uh, even though it, it hurts to, to have to sort through these emotions and this situation, um, yeah, that's, that's what we're supposed to do right. in accompaniment. We walk into the very fire of suffering with them. Um, and that's the only way that we're able to come out on the other side. There's no good, there's no resurrection without good Friday, you know? Yeah, that's true. And my guest today, Father Colin Blatchford, if you want to join us, uh, maybe you're going through a difficult moment now. Maybe you want to share your own experience. Maybe you got a question or a comment, feel free to dial in. I'll go to the phones in a quick second. The number is 888 914-914-9, you know, you're talking about Encourage, too, and I think it's such a great group because I know there's a lot of parents who have really come to accept their child's uh, orientation, um, and a lot of parents sometimes wonder, where do you draw the line? Um, do you allow your son's, you know, partner to, to come home and have Thanksgiving dinner and treat everything like it's okay. Um, and, and I, you know, uh, or, or do you, do you just simply let them know where you stand and then do that? I mean, what's the right thing to do for parents whose children have come out and says, look, I'm, I'm gay. Cause I had a mother write to me just recently and say that her daughter came out and said that. And, and, you know, the mother says, look, I can't ever accept this, you know, um, still love you, but I can never accept it. And the daughter now is no longer talking to her and says, if you don't accept, you know, my lifestyle and, 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 you know, my partner, then you're not going to see us. And I don't think the girls come back to see her parent, her mother in a while. The mother was heartbroken and called me and said, could you please pray for our relationship? And of course I will and have been, but, um, maybe you can address a situation like that. Cause I'm sure a lot of people they grapple with that. What do I do as a parent, as a witness, as a good Catholic, as a Christian? Um, and how do I keep that bond and the love of my child? 
Sure. Um, I mean, there's no there's no one hard and fast rule in many of these things, right? Um, we have relationships with many people uh, in which they sin because <laughs> we're all fallen. Yeah. Uh, and so part of it is is making our way within the relationship in such a way as, you know, if they know what the church teaches and they know where we stand, we don't have to constantly tell people, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, maybe we do need to make that clear because we're just kind of coming to it ourselves and understanding it. But the more, I would say the more important side is, is to truly show them that they, that they are loved. And, and, and to to the best of your ability, it depends. You know, if, if you have young children at home, you might have a different situation or different guides than if the children are grown and out of the house, right? Um, as to whether or not, you know, they can bring their partner home or what have you. Um, but that person needs love too. You see, we have to, we have to be able to love the people who are put before us, uh, whatever choices they've made, you know, um, in such a way that, as Christ uh, said to the woman, you know, caught in adul- adultery, has anyone condemned you? No, okay, then I don't either. Go and sin no more, right? Yeah. The sin no more is in a very important part. He didn't let her off the hook. He said, basically, you're forgiven. Don't do it anymore. But he had that love within him, and she knew what she had done wrong, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so how do we communicate that? And, that's, and that can be so unique to the situation. Uh, and that's why I, I think, you know, courage and encourage have, <laughs> that's why we exist um, to kind of help help in those things. Like we're happy to talk with people and, and have those conversations um, and, and help walk with them because the first is the call to holiness. And we have to, when we have these conversations with those who we love, even if they're frustrating us, we do it in virtue. We do it with an eye to their eternal salvation. And that's, that's our primary goal more than anything else because uh, sin cannot compete with love. Yeah. When charity is present, sin cannot be present. That's so well said. My, um, you know, and I just want to zoom out. It's not just about same-sex attraction either. I mean, I, I think of parents who have children that are cohabitating. Uh, and I can't tell you how many people I know uh, that have a son or a daughter living with their significant other. And that's no different than some other couple that might be, you know, some gay couple who are living together, these parents face the same challenge, don't they? Or, or do you see that as, mm-hmm. as different? I mean, the, the act is still the same, no. right? Or... Sin is sin, yeah. right? I mean, there, there, yes, there are certain sins as are written in the Scripture that cry out to heaven, and we need to be, we need to be adamant about that. Right. But we also, you know, all sin damages our relationship with God, and all mortal sin cuts us off from God. And, you know... We, we have to be willing to, to sacrifice a lot to avoid that. Um, and so when we find someone in a position with that, where they're maybe in that sin and we know it, how do we, how can we, how, what are we going to say to them that is going to be most likely? It's kind of like, um, I don't know, like judo, right? They want to, they want us to give this information. How can we redirect it to get what we want in such a way, not just in manipulation, but where they're willing to receive what we have to give the fullness of Christ's love. And my guest today, Father Colin Blatchford, if you want to join us, I have to take a short pause and I'm already at the end of the broadcast. I only have a few moments on the other side. So if you want to get in, maybe you're in a family situation, maybe you're struggling yourself, uh, love to hear from you. It'll be your last chance to join the conversation today. The number, 888 
914-9149. Grab a pen and paper too. I want to give you that website again. Do it now. I'll give it to you on the other side. It's CourageRC.org. You can learn about that great group as well as Encourage. We'll be back. Stay with me. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. Your Life Connected, The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. That's a little Natalie Cole there. Good to be back. It is good to be back with you. I only have a few moments with you this afternoon, though. I'll be back again, of course, tomorrow. But got a few moments still to hang out. My guest today, Father Colin Blatchford, he uh, hails from a very uh, important organization. And I would encourage you to jot this number down, this, this email address. He's the associate director of the Courage Apostolate. And uh, you can find them at CourageRC.org. And they handle not just those with same-sex attraction, but a whole litany of other areas as well. And, and let me go right to the phones. And Father, we can pick up on a point that uh, you were talking to my producer Maggie about during the break. But Mary in New Jersey, let me bring you into the conversation. You're on the air with Father. Good afternoon. Good evening, Father. Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. Um, first and foremost, I want to say that the Lord is the greatest thing ever. Um, he just speaks to us in so many ways. And this is this week has been just amazing for me because of all the calls that we've been talking about. But um, let's get straight to the point. So my question is, Father, um, I have an aunt that has a daughter, and the daughter would like to now be approached as him. Um, my aunt would like to use my house as to to introduce the him. I don't know how to approach this, Father. I just know it's not the right thing to do in my heart. Sure. Um, well, I, I mean, I'd love to get more detail before making just a big statement. Uh, feel free to give me a call. You can go to our website. Um, but I would say some rules of thumb uh, would be, you know, what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. Right. Um, because if someone is uh, before us and saying, well, you know, I'm I'm the president of the United States or I'm, you know, I'm a prophet and they're not. We we don't necessarily affirm that. Right. Um, and we see that in, in mental health care that we don't do that. Uh, and so, it, you know, there can also be a place, though, where we can say, well, I have this relationship with them and I'm uncomfortable using these pronouns, but I can use this 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 name that they have to maintain this relationship and, and, and seek to be there for them and to love them the way that I can. And according to what Christ says in his teachings. Um, but when it comes down to your house, I mean, that that's going to kind of fall uh, more upon your shoulders and, and, you know, what you're comfortable with and um, how, how you want to approach that. Um, so I don't have a specific answer, um, but I would hesitate to do so. Uh, but I'd be happy to guide you if, if I could, right. uh, if you want to reach out. Mary, why don't you take him up on that and, and give him a call. Again, CourageRC.org is the website. You can find more information there. I'll move along to Debbie in Decatur, Illinois. Hi, Debbie. Oh. Good afternoon. Hi. How are you? Um, my daughter is married to another woman, and she's uh, 31, and 
got married about five years ago, but it took me a long time, a long time to know that, and they knew exactly how we felt. We told them, you know, we don't agree with it, and we told them all the Catholic teachings of it and everything, and we all, for my husband and myself and them to just came to a understanding that, oh, okay, we're not accepting that marriage, but we still love you, and we will try hard <clears throat> to accept them as individuals, but not accept the marriage. If that makes sense, I don't know if it makes sense at all, but I remember laying awake at night for years crying because of this, but it finally, you know, we just had to come to the conclusion that we love them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I think you bring up a really good point. Um, When these things confront us, you know, there's a lot of emotions that we feel about it, you know, Um, and that they feel right. Um, And sometimes it's important to not to, not to push those emotions down, but to take just a step aside from them and say, okay, can I, you know, can I take a second to view this as a friendship and encourage virtue here while I'm parsing through these emotions? So I'm not just speaking emotionally, but I'm speaking, you know, rationally, and I'm I'm working on these emotions to, to move through them while still speaking the truth in love. Yeah, it took a long time. So I just want to encourage everybody else out there that you know, it's not an overnight, oh, okay, we love you, right. and we'll, you know, it, it's a lot of things to go through. Yeah. So, And, and, and yeah. Sally, I think, I think that's perhaps, and Father, the most important thing to communicate, isn't it? You have to let your child or your loved one, whoever it is, know that you love them, and you'll always love them, regardless. I tell yeah. my kids all the time, I'll love you regardless of the decisions you make. I hope you make good decisions. But you have to let them know your love is always there for them. Right, and, and then be really clear on how you stand. I, I'm very clear with those who I know and who I love on, on my how I view morality and certain issues, so they can respect and understand where I come from, and and then you can move forward from there. I think you need to be clear up front. Uh, if you go in accepting and then you change your attitude or vice versa, it, there's just a lot of confusion. I think it always has to be charity and well, love first, and then and speak the truth. You know, they may not like it, but speak the truth. And but I, I wouldn't let that rupture the relationship. After that's out of the way, then then move forward. But but I'll, I'll let you sound off, Father. Well, Go ahead. Well, I mean, when uh, when we look at the church's teaching on uh, chastity in, in the catechism, uh, the church doesn't actually talk about what you can and cannot have sex with, right? Mm-hmm. It talks about the integration of sexual thoughts, feelings, and desires within the person. And so, really, it's a question of identity, right? Am I a beloved child of God? And if and if Somebody is asking that question because they don't know. We need to find a way to right. And that's what we need to teach. That's what right. we need to, to push because that's what underlies all those moral guidances, all those right. moral teachings, is that we were loved into it. We are the only creature on this earth visible, right? right. That was loved into being for our own good. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh. Yeah, bravo. Hey, yeah. Tom in Chicago. Good afternoon. You're on the air with Father Blatchford. Good afternoon. Can they just go any day they want and get it that day? Hey, Tom. <laughs> yes. Tom, you're on the air, brother. Yes, go right yes, ahead. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, I, uh, you know, 
had issues with my gender identity, sexual orientation all my life since I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I want to say is that it really causes a tremendous amount of suffering. You cannot really compare it with a heterosexual uh, couple who are cohabiting because, you know, they can get married and they can have sex because they love each other enough and they like each other enough. And you're gay. You can be madly in love with your partner. You can never have, you know, get a special... You know, all right. Hey, Maria, or um, uh, Tom, look, here's the deal. Um, I'm going to give you just a second. We're going to try to get a better signal because I, I we can't hear anything. It's not really intelligible. So I'm going to have my producer check with you. I'd love to get you back. I'd love to hear what you've got to say. Uh, Father, did you make any of that out? Can you translate any of that for us? Uh, not, not really, just the beginning part. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I heard uh, that he's he's felt those things and had those questions. I know uh what that i've experienced uh, you know in the groups that we've worked with the the amount of pain that can really cause over the course of life and the things that it can drive us to do you know to try and soothe it or escape it um and so i'll keep him in my prayers uh he he had sexual orientation uh issues uh sexual orientation identity issues but i think they're telling me the signal it's too bad to bring back on. Uh, please, Tom, call back again if you ever have to. Father, I've got about a minute and a half left for you. So rather than take any more calls, let me give you the final uh, the final few moments here uh, to address any issue you think is really important to leave us with. Sure. Um, I think one of the most important things is we don't, we don't fix people. Uh, not if we're family members, not if we're individuals that are struggling. We don't, we don't fix people. That's not what the church is about. That's not what courage is about. Uh, or encourage. Um, it's about an encounter with God. Uh, the questions we have, our temptations, um, our attractions, um, they're, they're part of our, our human nature. Some are fallen, some are disordered, some are ordered. Um, but it's the grace of God that transforms us. Um, to, to encounter Christ, whether it be in another human being or before uh, Him in the, in the Blessed Sacrament in adoration, um, to wrestle with him internally as we seek to truly understand why we are where we are or what we're experiencing. Right. Um, that that call to holiness, that call to, to love him, uh, that's what we're about. That's what we're, that's what we're concerned with. And that's what the church is always concerned with, yeah. is helping us to be more Christ-like, yeah. uh, to be saints. Amen. Hey, Father, thanks for your time. Thanks for those words and for your insights, and I hope everyone will... Uh, check out CourageRC.org. CourageRC.org. It's a beautiful apostolate. And if you are same-sex attracted or have somebody you love that it is, or you're dealing with gender identity issues, check it out. It'll give you a clear perspective. And I think it'll be a pathway to uh, to some real peace. All right, I've got to leave it there. Kale Clark is coming up. I'll be back uh, again tomorrow. Until then, remember God loves you, and so do I. Have a great day.